Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. live welcome back ladies and gentlemen i am one of your co-hosts blake graffino <laughs> is my man joe de leon how we feeling buddy how how we feeling <sighs> look i know a lot of people are showing up to to listen to what i have to say and to also chirp me in the chat i can already see that there were a lot of people here early just to get their their chirps in uh, I do appreciate some of our listeners that were were very understanding and, and nice on Twitter. Some were a little mean. I don't mind the jabbing. We deserve it. Blake, man, I, I was frustrated after after that Ohio State game. Uh, I'm I'm done. I, I'm just I can't anymore with this. The, it, it Notre Dame always fails. It, there is always so much pain because there's always a game that they they should win that they could win an important game for them to finish the year with a good record, to be on some type of a college football playoff path, which was already a long shot with one loss, and they just completely fall apart. They completely fall apart. I, I can't do this anymore, man. This is It's, it, it's unbelievable. It's, it's unbelievable. Well, it's every year. Well, listen, as someone who went through it a week ago, okay, the season's not done yet. Season's not over with. Okay. You'll have a really respectful – like, what was what was the realistic Notre Dame expectations for the year? Playoff? You're not ready for the playoff. No, no, wait, wait, wait. I, I think that the expectation was, was two to three losses. Well, you're there. And – yeah, but we're there after week six. And one of those losses comes in a game that we're supposed to win. We should have won. That We are a better, more talented football team – but our coaching as an offensive, the offensive play calling and also our head coach preparing us for that opponent d- didn't didn't live up to the expectations. You, you, know you can't lose one, that game. You know what the one thing, can I tell you one thing that I that makes me love, freaking love that y'all lost? Can I tell you? Well, two things. Number one, yeah. there are yeah. certain media members all week last week for Notre Dame that was bashing y'all's former head coach, which y'all shouldn't have done. And I went stupid last night on social media. I saw. But number two, number two, there is a chance that LSU, Notre Dame, Capital One Bowl, oh, my God. I want that to happen. That would be actually very fun. Dude, I swear to God, because Jane Daniels is going to kill you. If Jack Plummer can kill you, Jane Daniels is going to eat you alive. You're, you're, you're not you're not wrong with that. I mean, sentence. look, you're going to score 45 points. LSU might score 60. Uh, interestingly enough, though, for whatever reason, whenever Notre Dame and LSU have had similar records over the past decade and a half, they keep getting thrown in these bowl games. So I, I think that would be fun. I, I think it would be. Oh, it would be the ultimate F you. 
I think we'd have know, to go. We would have to go, by the way. You and I would have to go. If oh, happens. I will be there. I will be there. There's not a lot that gets me out of my hermits. Uh, hermits <laughs> no. But we will be there, and I swear to God, I, I swear to Christ, if LSU wins, I'm going to get two massive Miller lights, smash them together, and act like my name's Stole Cold Steve Austin. What? I have to, I have to say to you what I said before the show, by what? the way. Notre Dame fans and Notre Dame media members shut the hell up when talking yeah, about another football program. I, I am apparently one of the only few that is – I don't really care what happens with LSU. I don't care if they succeed or fail. I, it's nice seeing them win because then you're happy, but it doesn't mean anything <laughs> to me because Brian Kelly moved on. He's no longer our head coach. He did some good things. He did some bad things. He's gone. He's not our head coach anymore. Coaches leave, they go to new places. So shut the hell up when you you start calling out another team when they're down by two scores before your game is played, and then you make us all look stupid because we get embarrassed. I'm sick of it. It's the same idiots in the Notre Dame mediascape that do this shit on a week-to-week basis, a month-to-month basis, a day-to-day basis. Shut the hell up. And especially a guy that sounds like the parrot from Aladdin. It's y'all fall. Wait, who is the, the always Irish, Irish guy? guy? He sounds guy like sucks. a pair from Aladdin. That guy's he a dork. Like a pair from Aladdin. I'm just. I haven't listened to him once. Right, whatever. We'll get into it. We got a long way to go. We got a long show. We got a lot to get into. Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Hey, what did I tell you all last week? What did What did I tell you? Wait, wait, oh. wait, wait. Okay, go ahead. Did I or did I not say? That the mistakes that Texas got bailed out on, Dylan Gabriel would not make them. You were right. I look and listen. They got some other teams that they got to play that though the quarterbacks aren't going to make the same mistakes either. Here is one thing though that you I go ahead take the you can take the victory lap. I'm not going to okay. stop you tonight. Victory but who lap. who had Oklahoma as a top ten team? You took them out. Was, you took them out. But you don't get to brag no, 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 no. I had them as my, as my pre. Wait, wait. I had them as a preseason top ten, which is a season projection. Yeah, but you and I said out. that I said that at the end of the year they were going to finish as a top ten no, you team. Know who you and I said, them, Wazoo. But it doesn't matter that I took them out because it was a season projection. I'm not going to keep them in there because they because they hadn't beaten anyone yet. Now they have, sure. and I feel completely justified. But you took them out for Wazoo. Who I didn't take them out though. A week one ranking, a week one ranking is different from a preseason ranking. Well, they'll definitely be probably both in our top sixes this week. I would assume. I think I think I'm gonna probably have them at five. I think that's where I'm gonna put them. I won't disagree with you there because they I look, might put them over Ohio State because that Notre Dame win for I Ohio would, State looks I would sweeter. Too. I would too. Yeah. And Notre Dame be. looks like complete ass. Uh, yeah. So we'll talk about the Red River shootout. Fantastic game. Fantastic oh, yeah. game. Uh, so we'll talk on that. What does it mean for Texas? Look, Texas has the easiest schedule here on out. So Except Oklahoma. Still, no, Oklahoma still has Kansas. That's actually true. They might have to play Jalen Daniels instead of being And they still like have Texas Kansas did. State, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Like, they're not – they have – Let me check. I, I, yeah, you could check on that. But they have some ranked opponents that they still have to play. Texas does not. Texas plays, I think, next week, like Rudy Putek. And by the way, I, I got to give Texas this. Yeah. Got to give Texas this. The only loss that Wyoming has is to Texas, but they had a backup quarterback. Yes. So Wyoming, hey, now, beat Fresno State. Don't sleep on the Cowboys. They should rank. We should rank Wyoming. I don't think they got ranked, though. Yeah, they're not going to get ranked, but Wyoming should definitely be ranked. Mm. LSU and Mizzou. It's funny because that's exactly what Jane Daniels is going to hear in the first round of this year's upcoming draft. Oh, my God. I'm not doing this. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> Jane Daniels from the top rope in Como. What'd you say, Joe? He played great. He played great. No. No. I. I Best player in college football Saturday. No, I think that Dylan Dylan Gabriel belongs Horseshit. in that conversation. Horseshit. What do you mean? 
What do you mean? Aaron they Gabriel, both had great games. Bill and Gabriel cannot run 55 yards and run away from dudes in the SEC. He they can't. both played great games. They both played evenly no. great games. Shane Daniels, which, by the way, sources, uh, bruised ribs, sources, confirmed. Okay. He went off. He did. And I said that he had a great performance, and I am continually more and more impressed by Jane Daniels. And we'll we'll see what his All I know is, Joe, you people like. better start having him in that conversation. I'm not saying put him in number one. Hell, I'm not even saying put him at number two. He better be in the conversation. He he will probably realistically be there are like five guys that are first round worthy. He'll probably be at like six or seven. He'll probably be in he that second, third this, round conversation. Top three because Shadur Sanders is not coming out. No, he's he's not. But I think that there's there's going to be likely, just as I've seen it, there's going to be a hype train for Cam Ward. There's going to be a, a hype train for JJ McCarthy. There's already is one for Michael Penix and Bo Nick. Can't hold Jane Daniels' jockstrap. Look, I'm just I'm just telling you how I've things I've I've seen and I've heard. I, I think that those guys have already established themselves where they are. But there has been momentum building for Jane Daniels for him to be late first round, more realistically, somewhere on day two. He's gonna hear it. Mark my words. Listen to your boy about when it comes to quarterback play. All I heard week one about Anthony Richardson. Oh, he's so great. He can't stay on the field. Wait, wait. His health has nothing to do with his performance. He's been playing amazing. Ability hurt. Availability is the best ability. Okay. Well, he's a rookie. He keeps getting banged up because he's getting hit a lot. Joe Burrow has a dislocated calf muscle, and he's throwing that hoe seventy-five yards in the air. Guys get hurt. It's football. Guys get banged up. Anthony Richardson has looked great. and I'll, But I don't want to hear the quarterback takes thing because you gave me, along with the Miami fans, a hard time about Tyler Van Dyke and then also about Brady Cook. And they no, both look I like never, poo. I never once said Tyler Van Dyke was a good quarterback. Not once. Okay. I go back and I, listen to the show. I you gave me you shit for get, my take, though. You gave yeah, me shit because for because you said it, he was complete ass. And he is complete ass the way that he no. played against Georgia Tech. We were reminded of who he is, and we're going to talk we about it. We were definitely that. reminded of yeah. who he is. Joe, I think we both have a little bit of apologizing to do on this next one. Alabama. I'm not apologizing. Why, I, why would I apologize? Well. They beat a backup quarterback. You know, I mean, I'm just, I'm just going to call it like it is. Can I tell you what the truth is? There's yeah. a strong chance LSU could beat them. Tennessee can beat them. They can still fall. Okay, I'm not saying they can't, and they might. Really good chance Alabama goes to Atlanta and faces Georgia. I think that it's likely, but I think as, it's more likely LSU runs the table. But as bad as the SEC is this year, I'm not really impressed by the wins that Alabama is going to put together for the rest. Of, look, it's a it's a good win against a, a team that has been a rival in the past five or so years, but I, I'm not really impressed by that game. And we're, we're going to talk about it, but I just, I don't think that they get a lot of credit for that. It's a nice, it's a nice pat on the back. Good job. You won the game that you were supposed to win, but it, that's about it. Um, We'll talk about that because we need to get rolling. By the way, by the way, Mario, what are you doing? Most overrated coach in football. I Joe, when Brian Kelly got hired, Okay, here's a quick story for you. People were talking about bring in Cristobal, bring in Cristobal. I was screaming for the rafters. Do not hire Mario Cristobal. He had arguably the best quarterback that the Pac-12 has seen in quite some time in Justin Herbert, mm. and he fumbled the bag. He got beat by a Bo Nix freshman-led Auburn team. He is not a good head coach. Nope. He's not. So, nope. look, can they turn some things around? Can they wind up beating Florida State? Who knows? Maybe. But Florida State seems to be the best team in the ACC. Plain and simple. We're, we'll get to it at the end of the show. His ceiling is always going to be nine, ten wins maximum, and they're never going to get over the hump because he's going to recruit well. They're going to have really good athletes. But his in-game decision-making and also game preparation 
is one of the worst in in, in college football. It is. Are you talking horrendous. about Marcus Freeman or Mario? Both. Talking about both. Sure, I'll say it. Both. <laughs> I was just joking, but no, I, you're right though. You're right, and I, I'm going to say the same thing about Marcus in a second when we talk about him. Okay, well, let's do that. Everybody, do us a favor. Stop what you're doing. Hit the like and share. Joe, by the way, did you know that on the AYS Network Facebook page, from January one until last this past Wednesday, two million millions wow live views. Jeez, yeah, that's a lot. Rafino and Joe show as well is added into all that. Thank yeah. you guys so much. If you're on Facebook. Do us a favor. Hit the like and share. Share to those LSU groups, SEC groups, Big Ten groups, wherever you listen to podcasts. Rate, review, and subscribe there, too. I know that we are starting to put some of the audio on there, so do us a favor and rate there, too. If you're on YouTube, like, subscribe, notification bell. Please continue to help us on our YouTube channel. We are killing it on the tube. I got to admit there, Joe. And wherever you listen to podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe. Watching us on Fubo TV. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. Let's talk about our good friends over at betonline.ag. we got a lot to discuss, uh, Joe. It was a massive week in college football. Mm-hmm. We do that next. Stay with us. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way for you to wager on all of your favorite sports, contests, events, with the first-to-market odds in lines. Find reviews for all the news for each league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, college sports, Esports and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports information for live in game betting, props, and futures. Head on over to Bet Online today and use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50. That's BELIEVE50, B L E A V 50 to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. BetOnline.ag. We're back. Texas isn't, though. Nope. See, I had that. And um, I had that. And now you were bitching about me using that all the time. And yet here we are, Joe. Well, I was bitching about it because I was tired of giving Texas run. By the way, by the way, I said on Wednesday that Dylan Gabriel would make Texas really, really stress defensively because a lot of the stuff that those quarterbacks that they faced in the last six weeks or five weeks before that, Dylan Gabriel would not make those same mistakes. Let's get into it. But Joe, this is from our good friend Mike on Twitter. This was me. You know the uh, Kevin... Uh, yes. This was me when Dylan... Kevin James. This was me when Dylan Gabriel went stupid. I'm just going to throw that out there. Now, here's the bottom line. Quinn Ewers had a horrible game. The two interceptions were horrific, but Oklahoma... One wasn't his fault, but the fumble definitely was. Well, Joe... When you throw the quick slant and it gets bounced up in the air, you cannot throw that. Yes. That's it. You're in double. Everybody's saying that the throw's not his fault because it went in the air. I vehemently disagree. You know why? Wait, are you talking about the first or the second pick? What, the one that batted up in the air. Which one was that? I think the second one. The first one was the one where he hesitated and then he threw it and it got picked off. That was yeah. the beginning of the game. Oh, well, the one in the beginning of the game, I think, was a misread on the receiver. Yes. I think that that looked like an option route, and I don't blame viewers on that one. But regardless, yes. the second one was horrendous in crunch time. He played a horrible game, a very horrible game. Oklahoma pushed them around. Offense and defense, that offense and defensive line for Texas, the one that everything everybody had been talking about for two weeks, Oklahoma came into – the Cotton Bowl, and push them around. Joe, Oklahoma had 201 rushing yards. 201 rushing yards. A lot of that coming from a guy who we also probably need to put into the Heisman conversation and Dylan Gabriel. We'll talk about this week. But he had 113. The Walker kid 
the stats aren't going to blow up. He had 46 really tough yards, getting three, three, three yards every carry that he had. But you know what surprised me? The Farouk kid, five catches, 130 yards, looked impressive. Yep. Oklahoma, I know the game was close, but there were so many opportunities for Texas to take that game over. The goal line stand. Joe, four plays from your own goal line, and you can't get in. That defense is for real. This isn't the same Big 12 defense. Oklahoma stuns the college football world, in my opinion. Good for Brent Venables because, Joe, we talked about is Brent Venables in over his head. And I will give you your flowers on this one. You thought that they would be able, and Brent Venables, the way that he recruited and went into the portal, that they would be better than some people believe. And, man, are they. They might be a playoff-bound team. I think that my biggest takeaway from this, and this should spark the ire of USC fans by making this statement, this is the most well-rounded Oklahoma team that we've seen in a very, very long time. When Lincoln Riley was there, let's be blatantly honest with ourselves, defensively, they were a clown show. It they was how many points yesterday. Defense. They still are. It's always how many points can we score and then hope that the defense gets one stop and then we'll be fine at the end of the day. This team was cohesive offensively and aggressive defensively. That defensive line doesn't necessarily have any elite players, but it's got a lot of guys that fit exactly what Brent Venables needs to create pressures and to get after opposing quarterbacks. And that is what led to Quinn Ewers playing as bad as he did. He started off by making mistakes, but they got in his face. They produced, I think it was six sacks. They were all over him and they could not run the ball in some crucial spots because that defensive line and that front seven played as well as it did. But most importantly, why this team is the most well-rounded Sure, they're not going to put up 50 points a game, but Dylan Gabriel sits in the pocket, he takes pressure in his face, and he delivers the ball. That game-winning touchdown throw that he had is proof of that. And I think he's got huge nuts for the way that he played. Put him in the Heisman conversation, and Oklahoma is legit. I said at the beginning of the year, I like Oklahoma more than I like Texas. And I think with their week schedule, they will finish and be one of the teams in the playoff, assuming that they beat Texas the second time that they play him in the Big 12 championship game. Well, that's a good point now. It is really difficult to beat a good team twice. Very yes. difficult. So we will see how that goes. You know what else is interesting to me? The point that I led to show off with or this segment off with, that if you have a coverage bust, Dylan Gabriel will make you pay. The last play that Oklahoma ran offensively, it was a coverage bust. They have motion coming in. The backer is supposed to pick it up. He doesn't. He throws a little corner route in the back of the end zone. Bang. Tutty. Texas did outgain them, though. Texas did have 500-plus yards. But the, the difference is Oklahoma, when it mattered the most, when it mattered the most, came up with the score of the stop. Mm -hmm. And there's got to be something to be said about a good team with good coaching, Joe, when you make the right plays and the big plays when it matters most, and they did all day long, and that won them the game. Bottom line for Texas, you cannot turn the ball over. If Quinn Ewers is going to continue to turn the ball over, you're going to lose a game you're not supposed to. Right. That's why I have a lot of pause for putting any faith in Texas to really – God damn it, this stupid camera. Um, <laughs> damn autofocus. I, I This is why I have so much pause for putting any faith in them for the rest of the season because the, the real Quinn Ewers reared his ugly head in this game, which is silly, stupid turnovers, especially once he gets rattled. He's just one of those guys where his lows are way lower than his highs, and he very rarely bounces back from mistakes. That is a huge, huge problem for somebody that's supposed to be one of the best quarterbacks in the country as I mean, I even went as far as to say that the way he played against Alabama, he can be that guy. But again, the problem with him and the reason why Texas's success is going to be held back is his highs are nowhere near as bad as his lows because he will drag your ass down into the dirt and he will hold you back the way he did in this game. Those turnovers really screwed them because you just talked about the fumble the fact was that, so bad, dude. Yeah. 
you just talked about the, the offensive production for how many yards that Texas put up and they still lost. It's because of sacks that he took and because of the turnovers. They will not, will not finish with the rest of their schedule without any more losses if he plays another game like that. Well, he definitely won't see another defense like that. That's that's true. That's true. You know, so like maybe he's not going to see another defense like that. They can. I mean, Joe, they ran four plays at the goal line and got absolutely stuffed. And I, I mean, th- that wasn't even bad play calling. Th- those weren't even bad play calls. Hell was- no. I, the the little screen is a Sean Payton go to. You have to do that if you can't score running up the middle. It's a, it's a very aggressive, and some people might complain about that, but that is what you're supposed to do when you run up the middle and it's, get stopped every single time. You know what else, Joe? Even when you stop, when they stopped him, Dylan Gabriel hits that quick slant, gets the first down, or, or I think it was the quick slant. I, I mean, it, it, it just every time you needed Dylan Gabriel to step up, he did. And you know what yeah. else? I did think Sark had a bad day calling plays, even though the problem that I have with my take on that is they had 527 yards, though, right? Like, I mean, I can sit here and blame Sark on the play calling. When you have 527 yards, when you're that close to 600, it's very difficult for me to talk about your play calling when you're accumulating that much. I mean, look, Quinn, Quinn had a bad game. But Texas still had Jonathan Brooks still ran for 129 yards. He's a dog, uh, by the way. He's he a is a dog. Player. The Whittington kid, the dude with the dreads, had mm-hmm. 10 catches, 115 yards. Xavier Worthy had a 108. They didn't get Mitchell the ball enough, in my opinion. He only went three for 33. I thought Anthony Hill, the freshman, looked fantastic. But, again, you ha- that's why everybody says this play lost us the game. No, it's an accumulation of big plays that loses you games. And I do think you bring up an interesting point. Texas can get their revenge. Okay, if they went out and Oklahoma wins out, they can get their revenge. But here becomes the question. Mm-hmm. What if both teams go to the Big 12 championship game and then Texas wins and you got Oklahoma and Texas both with a loss? Then what? That's a really good question. I, I mean, I would argue that that implication would very negatively impact whoever comes in second in the SEC, because realistically that that second place SEC team could have two losses. If it's Alabama or if it's LSU, that very well could be a two loss team. So are we going to put in, in a down year of SEC competition, a two loss SEC team compared to a, a one loss big 12 champion uh, that is really going to hinder and make it really hard for the SEC to get two teams in. I, you should well, be I've rooting about, for. Forget the SEC. Yeah, you don't even have to use that take for the SEC, even though you hate the SEC so much. I don't. What about the Big Ten? What about the Pac-12? I mean, you. That's a you, really good point. Yeah, yeah, it's a really good point. Forget the SEC for a minute. What if you have a three-way tie in the Big Ten? What's going to happen out in the, out west? We we don't know that. So there becomes a, a, a very and look, all this is going to work itself out. But there comes a very big discussion here of of what could happen. You well, know, I just don't. Oh, uh, go, go ahead. Sorry, no, no. I was just going to make a very offhanded point that I don't think that that we're going to get to that spot where we're going to have this many teams with one loss. I think that yesterday is proof that a bunch of teams are going to get picked off, and that there is going to be a lot of separation in the next like three four weeks. Oh, but, for sure. We have three separation Saturdays. Yeah. One, we just had one, okay? We're about to have a couple more. And I, I will tell you something. Like I told you when we did our top 10 and didn't take Georgia out. I took Georgia plus the, uh, minus the 14 and a half. I knew that was about everybody, – everybody's mm. talking about, oh, Georgia's about to get run all over. Bullshit they were. They beat the crap out of Kentucky. They beat the dog shit out of them. G- Georgia plays with their with their food, man. Yeah. Leave Georgia alone. Last point on Oklahoma and Texas here. I gotta, I gotta t- give a tip of the cap to Brent Venables. Got to. I, I mean, look, and Joe, there's there comes a point too that we gotta talk about this, and we'll probably do this during the non-playing portion of the year. He's recruiting at a high level. He's going into the portal at a high level. Oklahoma might be an 
Oh, let me. I, I've said this, and people in Texas have hated me for it. I'm more worried about Oklahoma in the SEC than I am Texas. It's it's really because good point. They're recruiting. Look, I know that that Texas is recruiting at a high level, but yeah, Oklahoma's got the Dean Lyman that can come in here because they're not just recruiting elite edge dudes. David Stone, the interior defensive line. They, uh, all right. I'm going to pull and a safe quarterbacks. Right, you better be careful. You mm -hmm. better be careful. And the Arnold kid is better than Manning. He's better yeah. than March. Okay? Yeah. Get ready I, for Oklahoma. I think to just quickly add to that, minus Oklahoma having a really difficult opening SEC schedule, I do completely agree with that. And that was one of the things that a lot of people pushed back on me for when I said that Oklahoma deserves to be as a projected top 10 team at the end of the season, a lot of people are like, ah, oh, I don't really trust Venables. And I just said, look, watch, watch what happens. And we I was all one of starting them. to I see was, it. Man, I was one. Well, and because it's difficult to say when you have a six and seven coach, mm -hmm. right? I mean, Joe, he was six and seven a year that ago. That team that he had was so bad, though. All those guys left and went to USC or other places. So that's okay, why I but it, but, it, but to say that a, a coach that a guy that had never been a head coach being six and seven for him to fix the script that quickly. I mean, you got to watch him do it. And he did it on Saturday. That's a good point. I I'm really distracted by this. Is this a Utah LSU fan? I don't yeah, know that those yeah. exist. OG Gary USC are frauds. Yeah, they are frauds. We That's might talk one. about them at the end. Cause, cause Lincoln almost lost them the game. We might, mm -hmm. we'll, we'll talk about that in coaching blunders at the end of the show. Notre Dame, Louisville. Can can before you all right? I, no, you, no, no, you give your piece before, first. Give, give your give okay. your your piece first. There's three massive things here for me, and this is not coming. I know when I say this, this is just going to come from people will take it as this is an LSU guy saying this. So what does he know about Notre Dame? Okay, I'm not going to take the petty shots that I can. I probably should. I probably should. I, I'll take him at you because I, you, you know, we we just mm. joke with one another. Yeah, but you gotta get out of the identity of Brian Kelly. Now, I know you will push back on that, but you're gonna have to philosophically and all of your philosophies get away from the way Brian Kelly did things at Notre Dame. You're gonna have to, Joe. I told you that I thought that this offense was 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 fraud. I didn't trust him. I don't trust the dudes on the outside. I don't trust the play calling, especially the play calling. You hired a guy from in-house to be your OC. You did. You didn't want to go spend the money. And if you're going to hire inexperienced dudes that aren't good OCs and have bad, bad OCs at other stops, this is going to happen. The massive thing for me, that O-line that everybody talks about being fantastic, 44 rushing yards. 44 rushing yards. That's what that's what Notre Dame had in this game. Audric asked me, 10 carries, 20 yards. Got absolutely obliterated. They were teeing off on him all night. That old line looked like crap. You know what? I, I kept hearing all the Notre Dame people talk about, well, they look tired. We needed a bye week. Nobody has a bye week. No, USC is That's isn't a lame-ass excuse. Who the hell it's said that? That's a lame-ass excuse. Uh, you got to get out of the identity and make this your own if you're Marcus Freeman. Because if you want to go in there with 12 personnel and try to run the football down people's throats, when you win, you have to open it up and receivers got to go out there and make – Mitchell Evans is your best out – I'm not even going to call him a skill player, but I'm going to. He's not, but I will. He's your best skill player. He is. You know why? Because every single week I know what Mitchell Evans is going to do. Every week. Estime has times where he doesn't show up. I don't know, man. I don't, you got to get away from it, but I feel for you. I really. It sucks, but I do feel for you. Look. Here, here's my thoughts on this, and I give Marcus Freeman a little, a, a, a slight pass for. I, okay, I give Marcus Freeman a pass for the offensive issues. That is not his fault. 
And from what I've heard, there was some serious administrative meddling by Swarbrick that forced him into hiring Parker. And it clearly was a stupid decision because you know what? The guy can't call plays. He is calling route concepts for receivers that take too long to get open. So what's happened over the last couple of weeks is teams are sending a ton of pressure and Sam Hartman is put in a sitting duck situation where he is just getting blasted because guys are not getting open quick enough. So I will not put blame for Jared Parker's deficiencies and ineptitude as a play caller on Marcus Freeman's lap. But he's got to change that. If that's been happening for multiple weeks, Marcus Freeman's got to go in the OC's office and say, you got to run quicker shit. He that, that I okay, but we don't we don't know what those conversations are like. But here here's here's my main my main takeaway: too many people in the Notre Dame media sphere are unwilling this far in to deliver blame to Marcus Freeman and the the lack of preparation that has gone into getting this team ready. I really think that somewhere in the future, Marcus Freeman is going to be a fantastic head coach. I think that either at the NFL or at the college level, Marcus Freeman is going to be a great coach. And we've seen that schematically, he's a great defensive mind. He's a great recruiter, all of that stuff. But Notre Dame took a, a, a really risky chance on a guy who has never been a head coach and is an extremely young individual who is young to the coaching world. And while he's very promising, they screwed up by putting themselves in this position where they have to now wait for him to figure it out. And as he's figuring out, it's blatantly clear he does not prepare his team mentally on a week-to-week -week basis to show up and fight because every single time that they have lost and disappointed against opponents, they have shown up half asleep, they've shown up with no energy, no aggressiveness, no fight. And in those games, they've been punched in the mouth, and instead of fighting back, and galvanizing your team, your team consistently gets punched in the mouth over and over again. It happened against Marshall. It happened against Ohio State the first time you played them. It happened against Stanford last year. It is happening against USC last year. It happened against Ohio State at the end of the game this year. It almost happened against Duke. And it fucking happened against Louisville, a team that you are physically more talented than. You got outcoached by a team that has significantly less talent than you. Jeff Brom is a really good coach. And the fact of the matter is, is Marcus Freeman is going to get probably another year next year. And I think that at that point, if they finish with three more losses, you have to move on. One of the best comparisons that I've heard is that he's James Franklin. Nine and three is not up to the Notre Dame standards. It's just not. They need to throw as much money as possible at somebody who has head coaching experience like all the other top programs do. Because I'm sorry, Marcus Freeman will never be the guy for Notre Dame. Can and he's I shown that can, enough. Can I ask you a question that might piss you off? Probably will. Go ahead. At what point do we say that this is a Notre Dame thing and not a coaching thing? It's it's both, but they switch. They have a new athletic director. So I the athletic director gets the benefit of the doubt cuz he just started. Swarbrick sucked. Swarbrick was a terrible athletic director, and I'm not going to give him any credit for anything. Okay, well, let me let me, um, let me me ask that question again. At what point when we look at a team like Texas we just talked about and we look at Sark, we so we give people labels. Sark mm -hmm. can't win 10 wins. Texas always underperforms. At what point do we look at Notre Dame and says, look, man, you just don't have the personnel? Because, Joe, i got to be real with you. I thought, I think, regardless if you believe me or not, I think Louisville's just the better overall has the better overall personnel. I, I do. do. I just well, okay. I disagree with that, and I always think that this notion that Notre Dame can't get the top recruits, they can I finish. Never, I never I said that. But, but we've had but these only, debates before. We've had but, these. Okay. I Sorry, don't think. I, I don't think that you can. But you know why? Because the Jordan kid, or who was the kid? Um, excuse me. Uh, the, the Jordan, yeah, the Jordan kid, the running back. Okay, everybody keeps telling, talking to me about Estimate. Estimate, Estimate's not like that Jordan kid, Jamar Jordan. Because okay, they're two different styles of athlete. Yeah, one but, is downhill bruising running back. One of them's a spacey okay. eater that that you should have kept love in the game. And I get that. 
But you, you know what else I saw? I saw both lines of scrimmage get absolutely kicked the shit out of. But that's coaching. That's my whole point. You no, have you no, have recruited. No, wait, wait. They have had one of the best recruited offensive lines in, and in Joe multiple Ball, seasons. Did Joe all get put on his ass two times by a bull rush from because a guy? Because they're, they're coming out unpre un unprepared and soft. That is all mentality Joe, in, in the locker room and I entire coaching staff. Bullshit. Joe all hold on. Joe Alt, who is going to be a top five pick. Yeah. We both agree. Yes. Marcus Freeman should not have to say shit when he got put on his ass the first time. He shouldn't. And then all night long, Louisville and that little Dan kept beating his ass up and down the field, and you know it. That's Marcus Freeman's fault because the whole team no, was getting put on their ass. Their whole team, the whole the whole Notre Dame football team, got their ass kicked from the beginning of that game to the end of the game. And when Louisville's your team, the better team, man, they got what, the better. They're not. They're not. They're they a better coach team. Beat you by fifteen because Jeff Brom is a fantastic offensive play and caller and a brilliant personnel. coach. He has two better players. They have two better players. Jamari Thrash and, and uh, uh, Jamar Jawar Jordan Speaking that you just brought Thrash, up. I told you that the Morrison kid was not as good as everybody thought he was. He's not. But this is my whole point, is that all of these guys are talented enough to be really good football players and have put that on film. And they, whenever the whole team collectively doesn't show up, they all play like shit. That's coaching. That is on your coaching staff in preparation for a game week that if you show up and you all look bad. No, who looked good in that Notre Dame game? No one. Um, The kicker? He missed. He, I think he missed one of his kicks too, but he probably had the best game. Spencer Schrader had a great game. Really and truthfully, Joe, I don't think you look – well, here, let me let – me, okay – let me take this from a 5,000-foot view, okay? Let me just say this. Mm -hmm. Offensively, you're one of the – I'm going to just be real with you. You're one of the worst teams in the country. Yeah. Okay? Yes. I, I do think that you had it, – it's a – you did not go get the OC. You didn't go get Ludwig. It was a massive miss. You got – you should have spent the money. But, Joe, when you have a five-man box – which Louisville went into multiple times, and I and estimate can't get four yards. It's a problem. Okay, it, but in the state, Joe, there were, I can show you the film where yes, there's multiple I, times with a, a five man box, and if you cannot get four yards on a critical third down, it's a problem. But that's my whole point here is that yes, there, some of the play calls in those situations were bad. But, but, but that's not a bad play call. I think that you would agree on any other team in any other film that we watch. If there's a five-man box and you give the ball the estimate, it should be a first down if not. Yeah, and, and, and I, I put bl sole blame on your offensive unit not being motivated to fight on that play and say, you know what, we're going to nut up and we're going to fight to get those yards to get this first down because we're tired of getting punched in the mouth. I just think the team's soft. I think it is soft, and that is proof the way that they played that they're soft right now. Let me ask you this, because okay. I understand what you're saying. Yes, there's definitely a path that Marcus Freeman figures this thing out. But from what you have seen in the season and a half of him being the head coach at the University of Notre Dame, do you think that he can get this team in a position where they can be consistently This one at? specifically, no. Not this specific roster. I'm just saying in the long term. I think term, you're going to have to give him more than the three-year window that other coaches are allowed to get to a playoff, yes. But I do think he can get there. But that's problematic because this isn't. It's well, you're in it now. You're in it now. Yeah, we're screwed. We're screwed. Yeah, we're you're stuck sitting now. through this. Here, here's here's the thing that I I would say. Okay, he's got to be. There's one. There's one massive thing that I give Marcus Freeman a, a pass on, and LSU fans are going to hate for me to say this, but it's true. There are institutions like an LSU, like a Bama, like a Michigan, so many different places that if they had an OC that was doing that did not look good, they'd fire him on the spot, and they would pay God knows how much money to fire him. When Notre Dame went after Ludwig, 
and and Schwarbrick shut it down. Okay, Marcus Freeman's got to get a pass on that, Joe, from the Notre Dame fan base too. I, well, that's why I let in by saying that okay. is that I give him now, a pass for the offensive issue. Here's the thing: you're one of the worst teams on third downs offensively. You yeah, went three I, of thir- you went three of thirteen on Saturday, which you know, and if all, all the listeners have to know this by now, how massive I am on third down efficiency. It is the one thing that, like, so for example, let me just say this: I was able to, and I tweeted at you some during the game. When LSU's playing and we have the post games and all that kind of stuff, I can't focus in on Oklahoma, Texas like I did, which mm-hmm. I did this morning with me and my wife and Ben was watching the whole game. And you know what's funny? We were actually watching the Notre Dame game, and my son was the one who said this, a four-year-old, okay? He goes, Daddy, why do they keep trying to run the ball to the right side? Stop. Did he actually say yeah, that? Yeah, he did. My four-year-old. I swear to God. But third down efficiency – is a coaching blunder. And one thing that I will say about Marcus Freeman that why I know he's not ready, what in the outright shit are you doing going for it on 4th and 11 on your own territory? If you're a defensive dude, punt the ball, try to get a stop, give them a shorter field because – the likelihood, Joe, did you know that you were two for 10 at that point on third down conversions? Yeah. Two for 10 at that exact moment. He made massive, massive coaching blunders. Massive. He but, felt the pressure. He didn't okay. know what to do, and it got to him. That's what I'm getting at here, and not to harp on this for too long. That's what I'm getting at here is that in-game – it's not only that he just makes bad decisions. Bad things happen way too often. And it just it, you, they go over to him on the sidelines and he looks helpless at times. And that's where I get even more frustrated. The whole 10 men on the field that's a head coaching deal. And even if he's not obviously the head coach isn't the one responsible for for making sure certain packages get onto the field, that's not his job. But to not have the systems in place to make sure that assistant coaches have that stuff accounted for, that's on him. I I just feel like that there is a lack of organization, preparation, and intention from this team. And maybe Marcus Freeman in a few years figures it out at another football program somewhere else. He is going to be a great coach. But we are stuck suffering through this as he's slowly trying to figure this thing out. And I know some people might point out that Ryan Kelly was bad in his first few years at Notre Dame. Charlie Weiss also was, yeah, he was got rough. To a national title. What do we? What do you? What do you? What do you mean? Well, their their first season, their record wasn't very good, and then eventually he got he got Notre Dame to a national championship in a couple of years. What I'm trying to get at here is that they he took over a bad roster that was completely brought Who down did? into the. Brian Kelly took over a bad oh, roster at Notre say. Dame. He uh, Brian Kelly left Marcus Freeman a mansion when he got. That's what I'm saying. Crack house. Yeah, Brian Kelly showed up and turned a Prius in and turned it into like a A Mercedes Benz. Yeah, I wouldn't say a Ferrari, but it was a you know nice Benz truck. Okay. And Marcus Freeman has been driving. He hadn't gotten the oil changed. He he hasn't crashed it. I'm not going to say he's crashed it because crashed it would have been losing. But he's driving like 15 miles under the speed limit and he's driving way too carefully. He's not, this is not, they coach like they're, they're not trying to lose. And that's why I continually get frustrated. It well, something needs to I, change. I promise you this. You're not good enough on the outside to win, to, to win the games that you think that you should. I, I, I've tried to tell you this and you, you, I know you balked on it. You, you make fun of Penn state's receivers. You don't have the dudes on the outside to win. But, but here's you know another thing. Here's, okay. here's, here, here's how I knew when this move was made. Everybody says I'm wrong about this. When Tyree dropped the fade that he should have scored on, you converted a running back to wide receiver. What are you doing? I I think that what is even stupider, though, is yes, it's bad that they don't have the athletes, but the fact that the guy that you went after with Andy Ludwig has been productive at Utah with a bunch of nobodies catching the ball and producing and developing tight ends the way that he has. dudes? Mormon. that's the that is to me the the bigger contingent point. We we've spent a lot of time talking about this. We should 
We should talk about other stuff. A and M and Bama. Um, Joe, I got to tell you something. I know that everybody's going to hate me on this, especially the LSU people. Bama's a good football team, and they're going to continue to be a good football team. That defense is serious. The defense is serious. But you know what the massive problem for Alabama is, though? What? They had 23 rushing yards against A&M. That can't happen. That cannot happen. That can't happen. I said this on the preview, and I think that it still stands. Alabama's not a good football team. Alabama's a really good defense. They're what, the most lopsided hold on, hold on, team hold on, hold on, in the country. A good team is a nine and three team. Yeah. They're going to go nine and three. I, pr- I promise you they're going nine. And th- they're going nine and three. My, my point that I'm getting at here that I was reiterating that I was correct on is that they are one of the most lopsided teams in the country because they've got a top three defense. That is blatantly obvious that they're yep. really good defensively. And they're building momentum. They are getting better on a week-to-week basis. They're going to cause problems for everybody that they face with a light schedule for the the most part remaining. But, dude, that offense sucks. That offense is unbearably bad. I'm tired of of, of talking about them. Well, here's a a massive question. Whose secondary is worse, LSU's or Texas A&M's? Because Jalen Milrow just threw for 300-plus and Burton went off. That lost in the football game. And, and yeah. here's another thing. We asked this question last week. If either one of these teams, whichever one of these teams lost, the fan base would be chaotic. And I don't know if you've seen A&M yet. They're, they're all over Jimbo, in which they should be. Yeah. Jimbo called one of the worst games I've ever seen. They had four times to take the lead or tie it, and he couldn't get it done. People continue to blame Max Johnson. You're running the ball on third and six. You're trying to kick a field goal. That's not all on Max. Now, Max didn't play a great game. He didn't. I, I mean, he just didn't. But you know no. who? He got you in a position to score points, and you you didn't take advantage. A&M is an eight and four team. They got too many. You're talking about Cadillacs. Look at what they have on their defensive line. Look. They, really good. They are, they held they held Miami and held Alabama, Joe, combined to less than 100 rushing yards. Let me say this again. 100 rushing yards or 99 rushing yards in two Power 5 games that A&M has given up against Alabama and Miami, and they lost both of them. Yeah. Because the secondary horrendous. is so bad. It is so bad that you have a quarterback who everybody's going to continue to say, oh, well, Milrow has turned the page. No, he's playing a very bad secondary. Look at Tyler Van Dyke. Tyler Van Dyke and Jalen Milrow had their best games of their career versus Texas A&M. You you bring up a really good point. That secondary is bad. I'm done talking about Texas A&M, and I, I really just think that Texas A&M like this is this is what they are. And eventually, we're gonna have that come the Jesus moment on on Jimbo. If it's this season, if it's next season, whatever it is, I, I really do want to just touch on what you talked about there—the bad end game decision making. It was all fully summed up by his game management. The fact that they went down the field. They couldn't score the touchdown at the end of the game. He calls one of his timeouts. Which I did not hate. I did not hate. It's not a great decision. It was just really weird management at the end of the game. I didn't hate the timeout because I thought he was going to go for it. Right. To call the timeout and not go for it is bad. Jimbo, bro, I'm so – like, I – I don't feel bad for their fan base. I hope Jimbo stays for another 50 years. He's not going to get him over the hump. No. This experiment is over with. It's over. Talk about a guy who recruits well and can't produce success on the field. Let me just tell you this. How many people in the country do you think want that defensive line? Oh, my God. So many would kill to have that. So many. LSU would for actually you guys have a pretty good defensive line in terms of talent. You just haven't played well. Well, we'll see. But that D line is something serious. Again, 
If I would have told you, Joe, against Miami and Alabama that A&M would give up 99 rushing yards, you would say that they won both of those games. Yeah. Okay. Milro had negative 31 rushing yards. And because of bad play calling offensively, because of bad decision-making, and basically the entire Alabama offense, this was basically it. Of the 300 and some odd passing yards that Milro had, Burton had 200 of them. Throw the ball to number three was their game plan. That's it. And over the top. just And over the top. It, it, it's it's hilariously how predictable it is because it's – Milro threw another horrible pick. Joe, oh. the pick that he threw was so bad. If it, And I will tell you this. Listen to oh. me closely. Yes. I'm not going to throw LSU in this equation. I did this for Oklahoma and Texas this week and got it right. If Jalen Milrow makes those same mistakes against Tennessee, they're going to lose. Jalen Milrow is one of the most chaotic quarterbacks to watch because short to intermediate, it's, he's not going to complete the Below throw. Average. He, he Below has average. the Daniel Jones dial-up noise, just gears turn, gears turn, and he's like, what do I do with the football? But you say, Burton, we're going we're gonna to throw it to you over the top. We're just, just throw it to him. Just run a seam route. Forget all the other routes. Just throw it and see if, it, if he catches it. That's like the only throw that he can connect on. And it worked. It worked at 300 yards. Hilarious. What would happen if Deion Sanders made his way down to A&M? Well, I told you I thought that he was going to – I want him to go to Bama, but I don't think that's going to – No, that's not going to happen. Dude, him are- at A&M would be so chaotic, and I kind of want that to happen. No, I don't want that to happen. I don't I want that to happen. No way. No way, Jose. No, I, I ha- no. don't do that to me. The bottom line is Alabama is looking down the barrel of winning the West. They got to get through Tennessee. They got to get through LSU. They have mm-hmm. some hurdles. Hell, I don't give a shit. If a cat was playing quarterback at Auburn, that game is always close. So they still got to get over the hump in the Iron Bowl. We'll see how. We got one more before we get to coaching blunders, LSU and Missouri. So, (laughs) let me clear my throat for this amazing take I'm about to have. The only storyline that you need in LSU versus Missouri is Jane Daniels is him. Jane Daniels, I don't give – a Rudy Pooh that LSU has two losses. He deserves to be in the Heisman consideration and conversation. Bottom line. Bottom line. I don't want to hear another mother. I'm I'm gonna save the yelling for tomorrow because I, I really I think that the yelling is gonna be fun. Jane Daniels played a really good game. I was really impressed with some of the throws that he's making that, frankly, he wouldn't have made in the past in his career at Arizona State or, or even last year. He is showing some real signs of, of progression as, as an athlete, as a quarterback. My main takeaway from this game, Blake, and we just sat here and picked apart my program, so I guess it's kind of fitting that we're doing. I'm saying this and a little hypocritical. You guys aren't going to make it to the playoff. You guys are going to – that defense – LSU's defense. Williams. LSU's Uh, defense is so bad. LSU's defense is so bad that they are going to lose another game that they're not supposed to. The the open separation on receivers, the lack of tackling on running backs, that stuff is going to catch up to you. Great way to finish that game. Great way to finish Here's the only pushback you're going to get from me. I agree. In the first half of Mizzou, I agree. LSU, after the Harold Perkins interception. Now, I know that this is going to sound crazy. They only gave up 14 points after that. They, what I, as someone who watched that game religiously, defensively in the second half, they found some out. Luther Burden had less than 25 receiving yards in the second half. Okay, but my problem is, is that replicable? Because honestly, I it's think... It's replicable the next two weeks. It is. I think that 
Missouri was extremely overblown. That was one of my biggest takeaways is the way that Kansas State played against Oklahoma State is very good proof that we got way too excited about that that game that they won. Luther Burden is their entire team, and when you figure out a way to schematically remove him, which they team, did in the second half, to that offense credit. stinks. That offense stinks. Brady Cook, I, I stand by my original take. Everybody got all pissed at me for for talking negatively about him. He's not that good. He's really not. He makes a lot of bad mistakes when he can't find Luther Burden, and he tries to force the ball to to him into some of these other receivers. That Missouri team getting shut down. It's a great performance, but when you have to go up against the problem is I don't know who LSU's remaining. They have Auburn, challenge they have Auburn and Army the next two weeks. They get a bye, and then they have Bama and Tuscaloosa. Here's yeah. the interesting thing. LSU's mm-hmm. next six games, five of them are at home. They've been, on the, they've been on the road four of the first six weeks. It's it's I don't huge get, for them. Get what defense has been playing on the road? When them dudes go at home, shit gets loud and shit gets weird. It's good that they've gotten the road miscues out of the way and that they can reestablish some momentum before they do have to play Alabama because that's that's critical. That's very, very critical. I agree with you that their defense could lose them another game. I can't I can't deny that. I think I it will lose that. them another game. It, it, it more than likely will, but you but but if they can replicate what they did in the second half in Como, we might we might have found something. But the storyline to me, the, the only storyline, there isn't anything else. Jane Daniels is, in my opinion, you can say it's biased or whatever, was the best college football player in America on Saturday. I think it's a tie between him and Dylan Gabriel. I'm not going to say without I, a I'm certain okay with that. doubt. I'm okay, okay with that. But he was, even if you tie it, and Joe, let's call it what it is, he was last week. He was the week before against Arkansas because, Joe, he's got, he's got nothing defensively. They no, he won doesn't. The game because they actually made stops. They, okay. Joe, did you know? Here's the crazy thing. This is what makes him so electric. Missouri twice. I, I did the film study today. We'll talk about him. They dropped nine dudes in the coverage. He ran the ball for 35 yards in a tutty. Here's one thing it's that's insane. very it's insane. He's playing really well. But the thing that's very, very critical here that needs to be brought up, there he and also the team has to do a better job of protecting him because if he goes out, I, and we kind of saw it when Nussmeyer came in, things looked a little yeah. shaky. They got to keep him on the field somehow. It is really dangerous the way that he runs. It's not like – It doesn't matter that he has everything on the offense. Burrow had everything on his offense, and nobody says shit to him. I, I'm, just, I'm just trying to say that the way that he runs, if he's going to continue to take hits I like agree. that – He's going to continue to have bruised ribs. And, and he's, I, agree. I mean, he looked like that meme where there's a one kid walking off the field where his his jersey's just completely ripped to shreds. Oh, yeah. That's what he looked I almost tweeted that, and I was like, I don't really feel like sparking sparking any yeah, desire, but that's what he looked like. Base would do. Right. But it, I think he's him. All right. Before we get out of here, Miami yep. and Cristobal. My God. Now, here's my opinion. I know you disagree because you hate Miami. I don't want to break this whole game down. I watched it again this morning, but here it is. Miami was, I think it was less than 30 seconds on the clock, Joe, or coming up on 30 seconds. Miami elected to run the football and fumbled it and gave Haynes King the ability to come back and Georgia Tech to win this football game. It's got to be the worst coaching decision I think I've ever seen. The problem with that is I thought the kid's elbow was down. They should have overturned it and won the football game. But the problem is, even if he was down, you had no business running that football. Right. I I don't want to dive into the semantics of the – because you and I don't really agree 
on if he was down or not. And I, I don't want to get into the semantics because I hate doesn't debating. Matter. He shouldn't have run the football. It doesn't matter, right? I mean, like, let's call right. it what he is. He shouldn't have run the football. I don't like debating officiating decisions, but what you just said is very true. He's done this in the past, and he continues to do it. He is the most overrated coach in college football. He is a great recruiter, but he takes decision-making, um, personnel, sc- scheme, to a whole nother level of, of ineptitude. It is horrible, horribly pathetic, the things that happened for, for Miami and has happened when he was the coach at Oregon. It is unbelievably pathetic. They will not surpass maximum 10 wins in his time as the head coach there. They will never win a national championship if he continues to do stupid crap like that. And you know what? I'm taking my goddamn victory lap with, with Tyler Van Dyke. You Miami fans got so freaking upset at me because I said that the kid stunk. And I let you guys get to me. I, I got soft. I let you guys get to me. Tyler Van Dyke sucks. Those three <laughs> interceptions are exactly what he did in his goddamn career leading up to this game. He had one good game. He had one singular good game. And I let you guys get to me. I'm not doing that shit anymore. Just because a player has one good game and the rest of his career is garbage, I am not going to change my opinion. He sucks. I'm done talking about him. Tell us how you really feel. I'm just, it pisses me off because they all came at my neck and I don't hear a goddamn word from them today. Three horrible picks. They lost because of him. The Miami fans came for my neck. Not, I didn't say on my neck. I said for my neck. <laughs> Shut up. All right. Here's, here's the truth. Should he have taken a knee? Yes. Can't fumble that football. Mm -mm. Like, as much as we want to put it on Cristobal, and we should, you cannot fumble that football, Joe. Like, if I didn't like that Cristobal blamed the the player, by the way. I don't think that that's fair. Oh, I didn't see his post game. He blamed the player? Yeah, he's like, we coach two hands on the football. Okay, well, then, then I take that back. But I, I didn't hear that. Chris Paul's an idiot if he but, but he's not wrong. You, he's not wrong, but you don't do it. You just don't yeah, do that. I know. But you know what's even more wild? They let Haynes King do that to them to get into the end zone. Yeah. I, I mean, Haynes King. This is his throwing motion. Haynes King. That you know throw what, that he had. By the way, did you hear the leak footage of Haynes King in the in the huddle? No, what did he? He said they beat Texas A&M a couple weeks ago. I got to go out here and win this thing. <laughs> he got revenge. Oh, uh, I love that. He got revenge. Uh, the redemption Horrible, tour man. for Haynes King. All right, good show, man. Good show. Sorry that Notre. I re, I'm sorry for. I, I hate that your team lost. I don't hate that Notre Dame lost. I hate that your. I know. Team lost. I know. It's it's weird. It's very weird when when either of our teams lose because we both feel bad for one another, but at the same time, I don't think either of us have sympathy for either fan base. We don't. We'll see you guys again tomorrow, though. Y'all have a good night. Peace. <laughs>